Welcome everyone to the Music Teacher's Survival Guide by Musico. I'm Dr. Nick Parnell. Today we have part two of my episode with Martin Butler on how to build an award-winning string program in your school. Just before we get into that, a reminder that Musico is now offering high quality instrument hire for schools. This is perfect if your school is running a band program or have an instrumental lessons program. We've got some fantastic brand new instruments available for hire at really affordable prices, particularly for South Australian schools. Please head over to musico.com, M-U-S-I-K-K-O.com, to find out more. We kick off this episode with Martin talking about the various string ensembles that he runs and how he goes about running them. Hope you enjoy it. How many different types of string groups are part of the program here and what are oh, they? There is a senior string, uh, string what we call string ensemble that meets on a Friday after school. How many does, does that happen at roughly? Uh, it's about 35. Yeah. Yeah. And we, I, which is my the group that I've been running ever since I came here. I do run an orchestra that only operates in term two and three. There's a chamber string. So just with the orchestra, do do you bring in um, like brass and percussion yeah. for that? So yeah. it's a proper yeah. Fully, uh, unfortunately, it's hard to fill all the instruments because like we don't if if you're going to do arrangements of a certain level for orchestra, you need four horns, and we might have one mm-hmm. and you know most schools don't have four horn players that mm-hmm. can play that kind of thing so uh the repertoire you, you have to make adjustments i mean i think we had a saxophone playing one of the horn parts this year which was you know it works and that but it's not the same yeah you need three trombones you need a tuba you need uh two or three trumpets if you go for the simpler orchestral arrangements you've got single winds you've got flute oboe clarinet um, you know, just one trumpet, but then the the strings are so advanced that it's too easy for them. Yes, I mean, while we're talking about repertoire, uh, I would say that repertoires for any ensemble is the, one of the most critical things that you can do. You've got to find just the right repertoire, and it can be hard. I mean, I've got a group here now. Uh, well, we're in a bit of a situation where the year 12s are finished. But what we had this year, we had some extremely advanced um, violins and cellos. Mainly, we've got so many really good cellos. There seems to be a wave in Adelaide of fantastic young cello students. But finding repertoire where you might have someone that's only playing to a grade three grade two, grade three standard and trying to match that with people that are playing at associate level standard mm. and you're trying to find repertoire where they don't get they don't get bored and the other ones just don't give up and throw their hands up in here. So you've got to try to balance that and you've got to try and make it sound Hmm. really exciting and everything it's hard it's yeah hard. so just coming back to what groups you, you know you got the yeah. orchestra that's term two and three you've got your 35 piece string ensemble yeah What's then there's that? a chamber string group run yep. by Teresa Bryan right. uh, and that works on a Monday and that is a kind of that's evolved into a kind of mid middle school like you know there's some some from the uh, junior school and there's some from the high school. So it's more um, a, a much lower level. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But they, they sound great. I was, I was, uh, I go and help them some from time to time. 
uh, when orchestra's not running on the Monday, and then uh, they sound great. Yeah. Any string quartets? Yeah, we well, we've got three string quartets, and today I'm about to start a new quartet from what I call um they won't like it, but I'm going to call them the Baby Sharks because they're they're um they're sort of year six, year seven. Uh, kind of age group, a fantastic group. They're very talented. They're already playing at a very high level, and this will be the first time that they play together. So um, it's going to be uh, very exciting because I can't imagine how good they will be in five years' time. If there was a, a teacher who was um, wanting to put together a a string group and just get it started, they haven't had one previously, how many... Um, students and what makeup of instruments would you say would be essential to get something off the ground to begin with? Oh, I think you should be able to do it with anything. Uh, I've not been in that position, but you should be able to, to get any, you, you probably have to have arranging skills and, you know, do this and do this for this person and this group, you know, you might, but uh, yeah, I, I grew up when, when I was at high school, my music teacher was was brilliant. We had five clarinets and three violins and a cello and a trumpet. And he would play the piano and he would arrange all these things so that it all worked. So you just make it work, yeah. Yeah. So I guess part of the skill, again, is, as you say, coming back to choosing the right repertoire that's actually going to fit a particular ensemble yeah. and the makeup of instruments yeah. they have. I mean, my expertise probably is more with the more advanced groups, uh, yeah. not not so much beginners. I did do two or three years ago, I did a stint over at the junior school where I had a kind of beginner group with some advanced players, which I wrote separate parts for. And I think a lot of that, I do a lot of call and response kind of stuff. So no music. Right. And I think that works very well, and you can keep that going for a lot long time. Yeah, mm, okay. things like that. And would you say that st- any student who's learning a string instrument should be in an ensemble? Yeah, because that's the enjoyment of doing it is playing in a group together. That's what that's what making music as a. I mean, the word organization is a musical term, and when you have organized um, people playing together. That's what is the magic of music, yeah. So talk to us about how you run your rehearsals. Um, you know, you're obviously working with the more advanced groups. What do you focus on? Do you do any warm-up exercises? What do they look like? Yeah, so with my youth strings, which are a primary school group, they are still quite advanced. I do a 15-minute warm-up routine that I've developed over the years. I start with some of this call and response I've actually, in this year, been experimenting with something slightly different um, where I use... Have you heard of the violinist Christian Howes? He's a American-based jazz violin player, fantastic yep. player. Um, he does these backing tracks that he makes up on loop pedals. And he'll do a tune like Stand By Me. And then it's kind of it's call and response over the chords of Stand By Me. And so I use my Bluetooth speaker. I've just started doing that with the kids and you can perform it at concerts. You know, it's just great. So that's, I mean, that is brilliant in the way that it the, the kids have to listen to what you play and play it back. 
they get very good at it. Them, you can start with just open strings to make it very simple or just a simple rhythm on mm-hmm. one note. And you can develop all the way to some really strange keys or you can incorporate leaps and jumps of even up more than one octave and even the best of them fall by the wayside. So it's it's a great uh, resource. So I do that as part of my warm-up routine. I do a, I do a scale uh, all the kids are required to be able to play a scale, two octave D major scale. Uh, so violins in third position, violas, cellos can be in first position. So it's a wide D major. D major seems to sit well on uh, amongst the four, the the different instruments. Yeah, mm-hmm. the four different instruments. So, uh, and then on with that D major scale, you can do lots of different bowing patterns because I feel that the 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 year that I'd spend with this group from the primary school, uh, the Adelaide U strings, um, the main thing is the bow, the, is development of the bow and the sound that the bow makes. And uh, we do lots of different bowings, patterns and things like that. The third element of my warm-up routine is a chorale, a very simple chorale, and that is great for ensemble. So I can get each section, it's in four parts, so the basses are doubling the cellos, but I can make each part play a separate rhythm, but in you know on the on the notes that they play within the chords, yeah, and they have to they have to all fit together. It's fantastic resource for ensemble, and it's it's part of the knack of that, like getting them all to start and finish at exactly the same time with their phrasing. Yeah, well, the, the for example, you could have uh, you could have duplets played in the violins on this chorale and you could have triplets played by the cellos and basses and violas. And then you could say, when we do the repeat, you swap and mm-hmm. they have to, you know, and fitting duplets with triplets is, can be hard for them, you mm-hmm. know? So, so those kind of things, yeah, it can be quite, you can make it as complicated as you like. So those are the kind of warm ups, And I, I do, if, if there's some challenging rhythms or something in the pieces that are coming up, I can always use those in the warm up. I, I have to restrict myself to 15 minutes, otherwise the rehearsal gets lost. So going, if you want more about my rehearsal technique, I think the main thing I, I teach is that they have to work at my speed. I don't want to work at their speed. So I always tell them that you have to be ready to play and you have to play and we're going to work quickly. And if someone's not ready, I point them and they have to play by themselves. And then... If that happens twice in a row, they have to stand on their chair and say, I am a donkey. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, some of the kids want to fail twice so that yeah. they can stand on it. But anyway, uh, I do insist on working fast. Mm-hmm. And they do. And they work. We, we work. We get a lot. We cover a lot in, in uh, time. How, how many pieces would you work on in a rehearsal? Um, it depends on the ensemble. With this senior group I've got here, we could go through five, six different pieces, mm-hmm. uh, some more detailed than others. With the junior strings, I would say, yeah, maybe the same, maybe just four. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do plan the rehearsal a little bit. I, I say, oh, I want to get this done this week. I want to get this and this and this. So it does develop, yeah. How long do your rehearsals run for? So with the the juniors, it runs from uh, 10.30 to 1 o'clock, and I give them a very long break. Like we'll do one hour's work, and then we have more or less an hour, a half an hour break, 
and then we do, do another hour's work at the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I always start on time. I always insist uh, with with any of my students, whether it's teaching, uh, ensemble, or anything, they've, that I start on time. I'm always there. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm reliable. So if it's a 10 o'clock rehearsal, you're, you're conducting at 10 right at 10 o'clock. I, I start. I start my, if it's with the junior strings, uh, I mean, at 10.30 with the junior strings, I start playing at 10.30. Mm-hmm. And if, if people come in late, they sit at the back. I move everyone up, and they sit at the back. They soon learn. Mm. I mean, at that age, it's not the the kids' fault that they're late. They'll insist on their parents. That yeah, they'll give their parents make, a make hard sure, time next week. <laughs> make sure you get me there because otherwise I'm going to have to sit at the back, you know. Yeah. So, I, yeah, I do try to keep very strictly with the, with the beginning. Yeah. And not waste time. Yep. And so it sounds like you're, you, you know, you're really taking – um, the you know the say the way the ASO would rehearse in terms of that professionalism and trying to inject it into your I, I think so course. yeah I hadn't thought of it like that but I think so yeah because my my professional career you know has been doing rehearsals yeah. and you know you get to know with conductors what what works and what doesn't work and mm. I think um, uh, there's nothing worse than a slow rehearsal the other thing is uh, uh if i'm rehearsing the first violins because there's a tricky bit i'm very aware that the rest of the group are sitting there doing nothing so i'm saying i'm trying to involve the cellos i say listen to the first violins what what was wrong with that you know what can we do to improve it i you know i try to keep it so that everyone's interested and you know and i try not to talk too much do they ever start chatting amongst themselves in a rehearsal? And how do you deal with that? Sometimes, but not, not, not really. No, yeah. it doesn't. You know, the, because of the speed of the rehearsal and the amount of work we're doing, they don't get a chance. And do you ever uh, have any troubles in terms of your um, with students attending rehearsals with? You know, what can typically happen in schools is that suddenly there'll be a big sporting event that clashes with your yeah, pre-existing rehearsals. Yeah. Um, do you ever have to deal with any of those situations? Yeah, I mean, I'm always, I think the main thing is that if the rehearsals, if, if the rehearsals are engaging and uh, fun and the students want to be there, they'll be there. As, as much as they can and if there's something other activity that they can't get out of or something they'll come and tell me and I'll, I'll say fine that's fine you know mm-hmm. I'm not gonna jump up and down and he says no no you mustn't uh you, you must be here and everything like that because that in the end that doesn't work I find I think it is a it's it's a relationship you have with uh, and the school as well has got to be supportive I think one of the things that uh, um has been fantastic here the head of music, Matt Noble, who's leaving this year, has been so supportive of uh, the string program. I mean, I've sat on the scholarship auditions and he he doesn't think, oh, I want to build up concert band or I want to build up this or that. He he uh, He's open to trying to attract the best players. And I've always been well supported in that sense. So it's been good. We've had some fantastic students come through the school. Mm. And what makes a great sounding string ensemble? I I think um, the discipline with with the bow. So the sound that they make comes from the bow, of course, and um, the the way they use it, uh, the depth of the sound and the number of players, but 
that is is the bow. Apart from the bowing, what are some of the other major challenges or troubles that you see young string ensembles have? Obviously, rhythm. Uh, I've always found groups that do pizzicato. When I do a pizzicato, that's plucking. When I do uh, passages that involve pizzicato, especially the younger kids tend to rush Mm -hmm. because the gap between a note that's plucked and the next note that's plucked seems to go like this it seems to get smaller yeah and so uh that's that's a challenge so rhythm obviously rhythm is a challenge intonation intonation is very hard to deal with because you have to you have to just separate everything out and just say please play me that f sharp cellos you know they're playing the low low f sharp please you know one by when i point to you and you have to do it as quickly as you can mm. uh, let's play and then i'll get the other kids was that sharp or flat you know and yeah you hope that their individual level of playing has got to improve mm. to make the intonation work yeah and for ensemble directors who are starting out like a, a young uh, string ensemble director what what would you say they need to be aware of what are the main things they need to know and be top on top of um I think just getting the engagement of the students that uh, you know you you've got to be very organised and know and have the students uh, ready to play and you know not too long not talk too much during the rehearsal you just got to do more playing than just repeat and repeat and play again and do this and let's add that. Yeah, I think it's the same. As I say, my expertise is probably not so much with beginner ensembles, mm-hmm. uh, with more advanced ensembles, but yeah. And what would your top tip be for um, string teachers? I think you have to be organised. And my wife would laugh at me for saying that because she thinks I'm the most disorganised person. <laughs> um, but I think you've got to know, you, you've got to take interest in the student and you 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 know what they're going to be doing next and you know what they need to do you know what the problems are and how to fix them i mean that's there's a lot of givens there you know that you you know how to fix a shift or you know how to do this type of bowing or whatever you know and you know how to teach this kind of style all those things uh, are given but i think um being organized is is Probably the other thing I'd say is being reliable is always showing up. I mean, my students know that I'm always there. If I'm going to be there on a Monday teaching at ten o'clock, I'm there on ten o'clock every every Monday, and they know that if they miss it, I'll be waiting there, and uh, they they feel bad about it. Mm-hmm. Whereas if I don't always show up, then you know, so reliability is is important. Yeah. Yeah, great. Yeah. And um, you and your wife actually retired recently from the ASO. Yeah. And uh, but you've kept it in the family because uh, your son Sammy's yeah. Um, yeah. now taking yeah. position as uh, in the percussion section, which is terrific. Yeah. And um, but um, aside from your education work, which you're, you're still involved in, what else keeps you busy during a day now? I'm still involved in teaching and. Uh, we have been going back into play with ASO from time to time. My wife probably more than myself, but we've been going back in and it's tough because you realised as a as a so-called casual player, you know, if you're not playing for three months and you go back, it takes 30 minutes just to get used to playing in the orchestra again because it's all, oh, wow, you know. Um, and I always reckon that one year out of the job 
it would be impossible to go back in. It's it's really like being a member of a team, you know, mm. in that sense. But we, yeah, we do play and we both teach. I probably do more teaching. Uh, yeah, so... And cycling? Cycling, yes. I'll tell you a funny story about... Uh, you mentioned about my son uh, plays percussion with ASO now. Um, the first time he came in as a casual... Uh, Shireen, my wife, was sitting on the front of the first violins and uh, he went up to her in the break and he says, Mum, says, stop looking at me. <laughs> it's just so, added extra she's saying, pressure, I just, isn't I it? I just wanted to know whether you were playing the triangle. No, stop looking at me. <laughs> okay, okay. So, uh, yeah, it has been, uh, it's been interesting. I, I think the bigger question for musicians that when they retire is that I've been playing the violin since the age of seven and to suddenly stop doesn't feel right, you know, it yeah. becomes a part of you. And uh, so, yeah, you can if you want. You don't need to keep playing, but I think it's it's something that I'm wrestling with, yeah. It's mm. Well, I think it's one of the great um, gifts of music is that you can use it in a variety of different ways, um, but it can be something that, you, you know, people can enjoy just, you know, in a very casual sense by the playing at home, even, you know, in, mm. in you know, later in life or whenever it might yeah. be. It can still bring a lot of enjoyment to well, Definitely. To and I mean, certainly a lot of students, I see, I see so much, so many talented students coming through the string program here and also through the youth strings. I mean, we represent up to 30 different schools in uh, in the youth strings every year. You know, it's amazing. So I see so much talent coming through and a lot of them won't do music. They won't join an orchestra and that. Some of them do, a lot of them won't. And But they've got, the, when they get to a certain level on their instrument, they've got the gift of being able to play a musical instrument for the rest of their lives. And, and for something where we live where with increased leisure time, that's that's a marvellous thing to have, isn't mm. it, really? Yeah, yeah. Great. Well, thanks so much, Martin, for coming on and having okay. a chat to us. And uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. Please hit subscribe on your favourite podcast platform to stay up to date with our latest episodes or visit musico.com, spelt M-U-S-I-K-K-O, to listen through your browser. This episode was sponsored by the Nick Parnell Percussion Academy, which specialises in providing high-quality percussion resources such as vibraphone and marimba hire to schools and students. You can find out more at nickparnell.com. Thanks for listening, everyone, and we'll catch you next time.